0: Well, good morning, everyone. And I'm happy to welcome those of you back in the room and and also those who are watching online. Thank you for sharing the service with your family and friends. I do believe it's the reason our church has uh, exponentially been able to reach so many people during this COVID crazy. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for being here. I hope the series is a blessing to you. We're talking about better. And when you look at the book of Hebrews, that's the theme of the book. And the reason he's writing with that theme is because he's writing to people, not unlike the people in this room or the people watching online, who are going through a difficult circumstance. And I don't care who you are, I don't care how spiritual you are or how spiritual you aren't, you cannot avoid difficult times. You're gonna go through hard seasons of life, As we've talked about before, the Bible says to everything there is a season, Ecclesiastes 1, and part of the seasons of life are difficult seasons. They're hard seasons. And this season that the people were in was um, an extremely difficult time. And so many of them were doing what many people still do, and that was turning away from God. I see it all the time. And I found in my life that the troubles you encounter in life will truly drive you closer to God or drive you farther from God. And sometimes they do both. I've seen people walk away from God, just say, I'm done, can't do this, stick a fork in me, you know, whatever, I'm out of here. I've seen that happen and over a period of time, I've seen them make their way back. I think if you really know God, if you're really connected to your creator, you can go but you can't stay gone, he's gonna bring you back because he loves you. And so for a period of time, I've seen people react that way. I know people who have told me that the reason they became a Christian is because they had to hit the bottom. In fact, one guy said, I don't think I'd have ever trusted God if I hadn't hit the bottom. And he said, it was only at the bottom. When I got so far down, I had to look up to see the bottom that I reached out to God and I found he was there. And I can tell you this morning, God has a a purpose, a plan. He has a reason in every season that we encounter in life. And what I wanna try to share with you this morning is this idea, it brings about a better hope. It brings about a better hope. One of the themes of Hebrews is a better hope. Uh, I I talked to, I heard a medical doctor talk, and he said that he believed the most powerful medication that he could give to any patient who had an uncertain prognosis is hope. He said of all the medicines we dispense and all the treatments that we offer, he says the best medicine I can give to any patient that I'm treating is to be able to give that patient hope. When you think about your life and you think about the times your faith has been tested and you think about the times you've gone through such difficulty in your life and the end of that difficulty, if you think about it and you kind of go back in time and you remember that, it brought about despair. So if you think about one extreme of your life and that extreme of your life being heartache and heartbreak and disappointment and all those things and what the result of those things is this this despair, this pit, if you will, of despair. And on the other side, you hear a guy like me getting up saying, hey, I want to talk about having hope. I want to talk about a better hope. And you see hope as being the very opposite of despair. I mean, if despair is over here and you're there and you just don't see a way out of where you are, and I'm talking about a concept and I'm talking about a reality and I'm talking about a different belief system that can bring about hope, then what is the bridge? How does a person go from despair to hope? How do you get from where you are? You may be overwhelmed emotionally this morning, maybe relationally, you may be broken, maybe physically you've gone through something, maybe something that no one really even knows. Maybe it's something that is so painful and so deep in your life that you don't feel comfortable expressing it or talking about it with anyone. Can I tell you, I do know that there is a God who knows you better than you. There is a God that knows the deepest thoughts that you have, who knows the darkest secrets of your heart. He loves you. In fact, I don't think it's an accident you're in the room or you're watching online this morning. It may be God reaching out to you just to remind you of that very thing. And you would say, Bill, if I described my life, I'd say I'm kind of over here in this bucket. I'm in this despair bucket. And I'd like to get back in the hope bucket. How do, what's the bridge? How do I get from where I am to where I believe I could be? Can I tell you the bridge is very simple. It's called faith. It's called Faith. It's only faith that can bring you out of despair. It's only your faith. What is faith? Faith is the hope that we have. It is the belief that we have that God is on his throne, that God knows what he's doing, that God has the power and the ability to bring us from where we are to where we should be. It's having faith in that principle that brings about hope. In fact, I don't think you can have faith without hope. In fact, it is a byproduct. It is a belief system. And I say that to your heart as I go into our talk this morning, because when you go through a difficulty in life and your faith is stretched and your faith is thin, you know you're there when you despair instead of having hope. When you would describe the experience and where you are right now as being more full of despair than hope, then I can tell you your faith is being challenged. And by the way, none of us know how strong our faith is till it gets tested. You don't know how strong you are till you go through an experience in life that tests you. And God will sometimes permit those experiences in life, not so that he'll know where we are, but so that we'll know where we are. So when you look in Hebrews chapter 10, there's a very important narrative I wanna read to you this morning that really encapsulates what, I wanna talk about this idea of a better hope. And look in verse 32. The writer is telling these people who are going through this difficult time, he said, you recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you went through such a great struggle and you suffered, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly you became companions of those who were so treated. Now, let me stop. He's saying, "Do you remember the hard times that you've gone through, and you remember the things that you're experiencing in life, and how, in the middle of all those things, those things were happening?" After, and, and you read, I read the phrase, "After you were illuminated." He said, "These things happened to you after you connected with your Creator, after you had God's light illuminate your heart. This happened on the other side of that salvation experience when you invited Jesus into your life, where you were spiritually illuminated." So never make the mistake of thinking because you've connected with your creator, it will clear you of anything wrong. Uh, The Bible says those who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It says those who will, not everybody will, but those who will, will suffer some persecution. Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. So he's reminding these people who were tempted to walk away and recant their faith and turn their back on church and just kind of mail it in. They were tempted to do that. He said, man, remember where you've come from and remember all that you've gone through. You're stronger than you think. You've gone through more than what you're going through. You've done this before and you came through it before. And then he uses this expression. He said, you actually became a spectacle. Now that's an interesting word because we get the, the, it comes from the Greek word, we get the word theatron or theater from this word spectacle. In 1 Corinthians 4 verse 9, Paul wrote and he said uh, that we have been, been made a spectacle before seen men and unseen angels. Spectacle, theatron, theater. He said, your life and mine are being lived out on a stage and our lives are being lived out on a stage of unseen angels who are looking in and seen men. Meaning someone is seeing your life scene by scene, act by act, play by play. They're watching your life. It may be a child, maybe a friend, a family member, a neighbor, coworker. Somebody is watching how you react and watch how you act. And believe it or not, your life influences someone. Influence is an interesting word. We get the idea inflow. It's inflow creates influence. It's the idea of two little tributaries that run together to make a current and create a, a river So you have an inflow, an influence. It is the idea that your life creates a current. Somebody is caught in the current of your life. Somebody is drafting with you. Somebody is caught in the current of your life. It may be your child, it may be a a close loved one, but someone is watching how you are handling on the stage of your life, how you're responding. And I can tell you this morning, I think what you do when you go through a difficulty speaks louder than what you do when you experience success. I think people learn more from our lives through difficulty than they'll ever learn from our lives when we succeed. So I'm just suggesting to you, and I'm trying to encourage you a little this morning, if you're going through something or you've been through something, don't despair because God offers, he offers hope. So he's writing saying, you've gone through these things and he went on to say, you even had compassion on me and my change, verse 34. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods knowing that, here's the hope, you had a better, an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. You knew it was going to get better. You knew this as bad as it's going to get. We're going to pull the nose of this plane up eventually. We're going to come out of this dark experience eventually. In fact, that psalmist David wrote in Psalm 27, he said in verse 13, he said, I would have fainted except I believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I would have fainted. You never faint at the right time. He said, I would have quit. I would have been done. I would have, understand what he's saying. If I didn't have the hope that it was gonna get better, I would have quit a long time ago. That's what keeps you in. That's what keeps you connected is the hope that you have. And what gives you hope? It's the faith. It's what you believe about your circumstance. And David said, man, I would have mailed it in. I would have quit if I didn't think I would see better days. If I didn't think I would have a better experience. So he goes on to say, so verse 35, don't cast away your confidence. Whatever you do, don't cast away your confidence. Stay competent. Stay competent in your God. Stay confident in the fact that he can bring you through this. Stay confident in the fact that greater is the one living in you than the one living in the world. Stay confident in the fact that you can do all things through God who gives you strength. Don't lose that. Because when you throw that away and you cast that aside all of a sudden your faith gets thin instead of being on the hope side you're on the despair side because somewhere along the journey you lost confidence so he's coaching him up a little bit saying don't let that happen to you in verse 36 he said here's the problem right now he said you just have need of endurance your translation may have that patience you just need some patience (laughs) Now, let me give you something that's free like the rest of it. Never pray for patience. Don't pray for patience. Because the Bible says tribulation brings about patience. So I can save you some prayer, cut to the chase. If you want patience, just pray for trouble. You say, man, lay it on me, God, bring it on, bring it on with yourself. Bring the trouble on me, I need some patience, and the only way to get your patience is through the trouble. You might as well pray that way, because that's the only way you're gonna get patience. But he said, so in the midst of this, don't throw away your confidence. Instead, what you really need right now, and some of you need this right now, you just need to have endurance. Here's how God works, and i found this to be true. God will either lift the burden that you carry off of you, or He'll give you the strength to carry it. What is endurance? It's brought about like patience out of trouble. Endurance is the ability to live under the load you carry, it's the ability to endure, it's the ability to lift what you're carrying. It it, it means you know how to play hurt. And boy, in life, you gotta learn how to play hurt you've got to learn sometimes to smile when you want to cry, and you've got to learn how to engage sometimes when you want to retreat. You have to learn how to play hurt. And part of enduring and not casting away your confidence is this unique ability God says we possess, because he says you can do this, is you learn how to endure. And then once you've done the will of God, you're going to receive the promise. God's not going to fail you. He said, just a little while, and he who is coming will come. He will not tarry. He said, when God starts coming, listen for the siren. He's coming. <laughs> Helps on the way. It may sound like it's a long way out there, but man, you, you don't cast away your confidence. Hang in there. Keep that endurance going, because when he starts moving in your direction, it won't take him long. And then he puts right in the middle of this, this profound statement that just lives by faith. Faith is the connection to the hope. So don't cast away your confidence. Hang in there. Keep enduring with what you're going through. Help is on the way. Remember, this life is a life of faith. And then he went on to say, now the just lives by faith. But if anyone draws back, he said, I'm not going to be pleased with that. But we're not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving or the complete possession of the soul. Let me give you three quick thoughts and we'll go home. Number one, to have a a better hope, you have to realize the power of God. Realize the power of God. When the writer of Hebrews is writing, he's having them go back and remember the times in which God worked in their life through difficult circumstances. And guys, if you read into the next chapter, chapter 11, you read about these incredible patriarchs, these incredible individuals in the Old Testament who experienced miraculous deliverance. They saw God do incredible things. They saw God work in ways that were just unimaginable. They went into an impossible circumstance and they saw God do what only God can do. And can I tell you, he has not changed. He has not changed. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, the day, and forever. What do you have, what are you facing in your life that humanly speaking is impossible? Can I tell you, we serve a God of the impossibility. We serve a God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we think or ask. He has that power and that ability. So when you're going through something and the tendency is to despair, the way you stay connected to hope is knowing that I have a God, listen, who can do anything. He asked several times rhetorically in the Bible, is there anything too hard for me? (laughs) In other words, bring it. (laughs) What do you got? You need a table in the wilderness? I can do that. You need me to turn the heart of the king? I can do that. You need me to deliver a million people out of bondage? Done that. I can do something that is impossible. I can do what others cannot do. We serve a God who's not just powerful. Listen, he's all-powerful. He's almighty. I've told you before, it bears repeating, there's no problem you have that he cannot solve. You stay up late at night and your mind is so filled and and you're in the bucket of despair and you're trying to figure out how you're gonna get through this and you're trying to put it on paper and figure it out. Let me tell you something. When you get to the end of yourself, there's God and you don't have a problem that he can't solve. Now, he does it through timing. He does it different ways. We're ready for him to do it now. I'd like my problem solved before we're done with a service, wouldn't you? But that's not often how he works. See, God doesn't work in time, he works with timing. He's a God of rhythm. The Bible says, in the fullness of time, Jesus came. Time and time again, they would had to take his life. He said, it's not my time, it's timing. God does everything according to timing. And right now, you may have given that problem to God and given that problem to God, and you still got the problem, you keep trying to give to God. Listen, with him, it's timing. Don't lose your confidence continue to endure because when the one who is tarrying at the moment, when he comes, he will not, he won't waste time about it. So the just will live by faith. So there's not a problem that you have he can't solve. Listen, not a burden you have he can't lift. I talked about earlier, he'll either lift it from you or he'll give you the strength to carry it. I use When I think about this, I always think about load limit signs on bridges or load limit signs on elevators. Have you ever noticed those? That engineer determined how much weight that elevator can stand and you step on one of those old ones when you're my size and that thing drops about two inches you start looking around the car doing the math (laughs) it's not it's not the it's not the dying that scares me it's how it's going to die how i'm going to die that scares me a little bit so i don't want an elevator deal so the point is i know i know it's designed to carry so much weight Did you know if if engineers design bridges and elevators and chairs in that way, don't you know your great God, your infinite heavenly father, the sovereign God of the universe, he has your specs. When you go to him in prayer and say, God, I can't do this anymore. This is too heavy. This is too hard. He pulls your specs and he either says, you're right. I'm going to take this off of you. Or you'll go, no, you're my kid. You can do this. I've got your specs. I know how much load you can carry. I know how much you can handle, and you're not there yet. So there's no burden he can't lift. There's no problem. Listen to this. There's no sin he can't forgive. You had not done something so bad he won't forgive. Listen, the only sin in the Bible God will not forgive is the sin of unbelief. The blasphemy against the Holy Spirit that says, I tread under my feet the blood of the cross as though it means nothing to me. And if I die in that condition, God says that's one sin I don't forgive. But friend, when you receive Jesus as your savior, you find a better savior, a better sacrifice, a better priest, a better mediator, a better advocate. You find a better promise and a better hope because there's no sin you've committed, he won't forgive. So remember his power. Here's the second thought. Not only does you remember his power and you think back about that, you need to recognize his purpose. Now use that because the very next section in Hebrews 11 deals with people who didn't get the prayers answered in the way that the other people had their prayers answered. Now God answered their prayer, but not in the way they thought he would. All right, track with me. Hebrews 11, he talks about all of these great people who were delivered. You get down to about verse 32, 33, 34, you know what he talks about now? All of these great people, get this now, who died. Over here where people God delivered as a result of their, of their prayer and as a result of their faith, uh, uh, they saw the power of God, and all of a sudden you have another group of people who love God just as much, who God loved just as much, who had just as much faith as the other group, but instead of them being delivered, they died. Instead of them escaping the edge of the sword, they endured it. Have you ever gone through a situation where you prayed and you've seen God work and and you know he has the power to do this, you've seen him do it for other people, and when you pray that he would do that for you, you, you see it going in a different direction? You know what's happening? Power is connected to purpose. And when God doesn't use his power to do what you think he should do and the way he should do it and when he should do it, it's because... He's got a different purpose. He loved those people as much as the others. He loved the people who saw his power as much as those who didn't. But he had something different in mind for them. Instead of them seeing the power of God, they experienced the purpose of God. I've told you before, I've witnessed this personally in my own life. I'll just go down this road just a little ways because it's a really hard road for me to go down. When Cindy was in her last days of her life. I believed in the power of God that could raise her from that ICU bed. Prayed every day, prayed through the night. I believed it. I believed that God could do it because I'd seen him do it for other people. I believe and still do in the power of God. So I prayed that he would. I didn't know why he wouldn't. She's the best Christian I've ever known. She's a young lady, a young grandmother. Why? I mean, what, 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 what benefit is it in heaven to have her there that wouldn't be a greater benefit to have her still here on earth? That's how I was thinking. He can't, I, we're not done with her. And I would pray with other families. Those of you who've been in those ICU places, you know how that's like you bond with people, don't you? How's your patient doing today? How's your mom? How's your wife doing today? So we get to know each other. We pray for each other. And I'd take a break from the ICU bed and go down to the lobby, just have a little change of atmosphere. And uh, I would see people rolling their loved ones out in a wheelchair. Hey Bill, we get to go home. She's gonna be okay. And I'd get up and go over to the door and kind of walk them out and say, oh man, that's so awesome. Man, isn't God great? So powerful. I'd go sit down and I'd say, way to go, God. It's great to see your power at work in this hospital. I'm so glad. And Lord, I know what you did for them. You sure do for me. And then you get to that point where he doesn't answer the prayer the way you prayed. And you don't have that experience. So you leave the hospital alone. And your faith gets tested, and now you're struggling to stay out of this bucket of despair. And the way you stay out of the bucket of despair and you get into the bucket of hope is you hang on to your faith. You hold your faith. And I read Ecclesiastes 3, where he says to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose. Under heaven, time to be born, time to die. And I realized though God had the power, he had the power to heal her, his plan was not to heal her here, but to heal her there. I wouldn't finish with our deal. (laughs) We raised each other. We were 17 years old, barely turned 18 when we got married. So we raised each other, built a great church, Raised some pretty good kids. Just enjoying grandkids, just coming into that season. We had a lot of things we wanted to do. And I realized that it's not my purpose that was fulfilled, it was his. And he wasn't gonna leave her here one moment longer than was her purpose to be here. So I came to the conclusion that part of this hope is piecing together the power of God Connects up with the purpose of God. And when he doesn't do what he's able to do and he doesn't do what he's powerful enough to do, the reason he doesn't do that is he's got a purpose in mind. I don't know what that is. I can tell you part of my prayer, I wake up every day, part of my prayer, I'll just be honest with you, is show me purpose. What? What? (laughs) What do you want me to do? I'm up here doing part of it. And so you have this idea that this better hope is connected to power, to purpose, and then let's close with this. Let's close with this. It's connected to a promise. Remember his promises. You know what will help you get a knot in the end of that rope called faith and hold on a little longer till you can get out of that despair and get over into hope? You know what will help you do that? The promises of God. One of the great ones is Hebrews 13, verse five. Here's what it says. He has said he has said, underline that, he has said. What does he say? I will never leave you or forsake you. Next verse, so we may boldly say, underline that, he has said, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. Connect that. What is faith? Faith is saying what he said. It's not me wishing to be something to be so, so bad that it becomes so, that's magic, that's not faith. Faith is me getting in his word, understanding what he said, and me saying what he said. God, you said you'll never leave me. You said there's a purpose for my life. You you, you said you have a plan. You said this is gonna work out. So God, I'm not just saying that, I'm I'm saying what you said. You know what I do? I stand on that. It's where I stand. It's my firm footing. I'm standing on what he said. So it's a promise that I'm holding on to that keeps me hopeful because God, you said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So you can say, I ain't afraid. (laughs) I don't fear what men will do to me. I don't fear about life. I don't fear about where things are gonna go. You don't have to fear about COVID. You don't have to fear fear anything. You just keep saying what he said and standing where he told you to stand. And that's on his word because God cannot lie. He will not fail. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And as we've talked about this idea of hope, I've, I've talked, I know, to some broken-hearted people. I've talked to some people that know what it's like to lose people they love. It's not something you ever get over. It's just something day by day you figure out how to get through. So I pray for them. I understand them. I have sympathy and empathy. I pray for my friends that are going through financial reverse and relational turmoil, stress with kids, and stress on every level. Father, thank you that they're here this morning. Thank you that they've tuned into the service this morning. Father, I pray you'll give them hope. If they fall anywhere, let them fall at your feet, and if they run anywhere, let them run to you because you'll never fail them. You said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So Father, help them to embrace that today and to walk out of this room or to turn off this service in a moment with a better hope. And Father, if there's one watching today, one in the room today who never have trusted you as Savior, may this be the moment when they say, Lord Jesus, with all that I know about me, I trust all that I know about you. Come into my heart and forgive my sin and be a reality in my life. And Father, I pray you'll bless all these incredible families who dedicated their little ones today. Thank you for for them honoring you in that way. Bless them, I pray. Give us a great week. Keep your hand on our nation. Watch over our church. Help us to realize the most important and significant thing is pointing people to Jesus. And we'll give you thanks and praise in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.